Welcome to the Something Real podcast, where the people of Westminster College share their unfiltered stories, then create one collective truth that ties them all together. Reporting from Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, I'm Nicole Hunter. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. That was Todd Cole from the class of 1983 in one of the closest Titan forms of Mr. Fred Rogers there is. Like many of our students, faculty, staff, and alumni, we thrive in an environment where we can be good neighbors. Fred Rogers once said, all of us at some time or another need help. Whether we're giving or receiving help, each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world. That's one of the things that connects us as neighbors. In one way or another, each one of us is a giver and a receiver. In a moment, you'll hear from Mike Disatel and Kelly Lake, both members of the class of 2011. Both are civic and community service-minded to their core and find it important to share why and how they fulfill their duties in their local, regional, and national neighborhoods. Hi, I'm Kelly Lake. And I'm Mike Disatel. So I think we're going to get some time today to talk about being neighborly, what it means to do that, uh, how you can achieve that and maybe kind of just talk about our backgrounds and how we've, we've tried to become neighbors in our life. The irony of this story is that we purely asked Mike and Kelly to participate in this podcast episode because they have so much wisdom and passion for this topic. When they agreed to do the podcast, they both shared with me the irony of their selection. Growing up, they were neighbors. And although they live 2,000 miles away, they still stay in touch to this day. Yeah, Mike and I go way back. We were um, we grew up in the same neighborhood uh, in Youngstown, Ohio. And I think, Mike, I think we were actually in the same kindergarten class together. Mrs. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mrs. class. And then yeah. uh, so we went, you know, K through 12 together. And then I would say in high school, we became pretty good friends. Uh, we were on the quiz bowl team together, ended up both going to Westminster together. And then we've remained friends ever since. So, uh, so it's great to talk with Mike about this particular topic. If you could just talk, maybe Kelly, you can start, talk about a little bit about your background, what you're involved in, what you do for pay, what you do for play, and then Mike, you can go next. Sure. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm originally from Youngstown, Ohio. I grew up there. I currently live in the LA area with my husband and my cat. Um, I moved out here after Westminster to go to UCLA for graduate school, and I've actually, I've been out here 10 years next week. Um, So I've lived out here since then. And I work for Universal's animation company, um, Illumination. And my job there is I'm an associate producer. So basically helping to make sure that the movies get done on time and, you know, basically assessing the resources to make sure we can get the movies done on time and on budget and creatively where we want them to be. Yeah, what's the next big movie, Kelly? Next big movie. Well, so the movie that's already done and in the can is the next Minions movie, which I work on which was supposed to come out last year, but due to COVID, it didn't. So that one's like done. 
Yeah. Um, the one I'm working on right now is the Super Mario Brothers movie. No oh. way. Oh my yeah. gosh. My son would be ecstatic. Well, I hope he, I hope he likes it next, yeah. next year. That's great. <laughs> um, in terms of for play, I love to run. I'm involved with a running club here in Pasadena where I live. Um, I also, I'm a musician. I play with the Santa Monica Symphony. Um, I play music at Westminster. So that's something that's a big part of my life. Um, and I'm involved in different organizations, professional organizations, um, community ones. I do Big Brothers, Big Sisters, uh, which is something that's been a really great part of my life as well. Um, so that's kind of kind of what I do. I also grew up in Youngstown, like Kelly said. Um, after college, I went to Boston for my first year of law school, then transferred to Ohio State, where I finished up my degree. Uh, from there, I actually started out a firm in, in Wheeling, West Virginia. I was doing employment and labor law. And um, actually, just recently in, in May, I moved to a firm in Pittsburgh, Denton's, Cohen and Grigsby. Um, it's still doing the same kind of employment and labor work, uh, but it's a little more focused on some of the union work and some of the like, more regional clients as well, too. Um, yeah, outside of my job, uh, I like to get involved in, in different you know, community events in terms of helping at my church. Um, I'm trying to help kind of create a, a nonprofit right now and on the terms of, terms of micro lending adventures. Uh, adventures. Um, so if any of you guys are familiar with like Muhammad Yunus and the, the Grameen Bank, where they provide smaller loans to either, you know, people in developing countries or people trying to create companies, uh, you know, more localized, uh, it'd be something along the terms of that too. Outside of that too, just in, in terms of what I do for fun, you know, my wife and I, we, we have a little puppy. We're expecting a son in December here. And, uh, you know, we, that kind of keeps us busy with the house and getting everything ready for the baby right now. But we also like to travel as much as we can. Uh, especially given the COVID environment as best we can to and safely. Nice. I love the idea, Mike, of your being a neighbor to people who aren't geographically close, which is really, I think, a broader idea with your the loan company that you help out with. What do you both do to support your community and your neighbors? And And where do you think that comes from? What made you interested in doing that? You know, for me, um, in terms of my community, so yeah, I do uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So I have a, you know, a great relationship with with my little sister. She's uh, 14 years old. She lives here in LA. And I meet with her one or two weekends a month, you know, just kind of hanging out and having fun and, you know, trying to help enrich her life and, and learn more about her life and help her in any way I can. Um, I'm involved with a couple different professional organizations. I do different mentorships. Um, there's a group called Women in Animation, which I've served as a mentor for. Um, to help with career mentorships for, you know, people just starting their career in animation. I'm one of the kind of architects and producers of some community outreach that we've been doing uh, with our company. We, during COVID, basically produced an animation class. And that's primarily to, you know, kind of help some underserved communities in the area and allow these students to really come into themselves and artists and learn as artists and learn more about the industry and and animation, and, and that's been like a really great program that I've been involved with. Yeah, and for me, you know, I, I think it really started in college, um, the sense of community involvement, community engagement, being there for others who are, you know, right next to you. Um, you know, like in our fraternity, we're very involved with a group called Serious Fun Camps, and uh, they're actually started by Paul Newman, you know, the, the actor, the Newman's own creator, and uh, you know what they do is they kind of serve terminal children who kind of want to go to camp, need a chance to kind of break away and just have some fun. And that was kind of Newman, uh, Newman's vision. So I got really involved with that. And it was a really transformative experience for me where it kind of taught me more, this is how you can be a good steward for other people around you. This is how you can take care of those who, you know, who maybe need that kind of, that kind of love, that kind of attention in their life too. And it's something I've kind of carried through and tried to apply 
in every every aspect of my life outside of that going forward. Um, I think coming out of law school for me too, coming back to the Pittsburgh area, living here and, and working here, um, in a sense of what a, what a good community activist looked like was already established. You know, you have guys, the history here in Pittsburgh of people like, you know, Carnegie and Clemente, Mr. Rogers, everything like that. And it's kind of really in the fabric of, of Pittsburgh. And it's a really special thing to be a part of. It makes you not only want to, you know, recognize it and respect it, but also be a part of it as well, too. So I've tried to try to carry that forward where I'm at now. I would echo what Mike said about about learning some of those values at Westminster. And of course, I've learned them in other parts of my life. You know, I come from a family where, you know, my mom and grandmother were always volunteering with their church and my dad volunteers his time with different organizations as well. But at Westminster, you know, actually, I a good reminder, I was the community service chair in Kappa Delta, my sorority. Um, and yeah, just like Mike said, like we we were involved with a lot of great organizations. Um, and that was just like a great way to, you know, to really get involved with the community while working with your community of sisters around you. You know, it's like kind of like a joint effort. So that was a really great place to to do some of that. Your involvement and in, in the reason why you do it is really important. And I, I kind of want to dig a little. We often just kind of glaze over. Yeah, we want to be good people. We want to be a good neighbor. But where does that come from? And and what it what are the qualities that make you feel like you want other people to have a good life too. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Nicole. Like it's wanting to help others as well too and see them succeed. And um, you know, kind of it got to the point where I was in college where I was helping so many other people and helping so many different groups and organizations where I was like, I don't actually see myself not helping going forward. I actually don't see myself like being happy or trying to feel successful in my own life. But I know others next to me aren't being successful as well too. It's kind of the idea of like, you know, a rising tide carries all ships. And so it's like, if, if I'm succeeding, if I'm doing well, I should be, be lifting up values along with me as well, too. So for me, I think it kind of comes more like an innate sense of trying to do the right thing, also making sure that you're helping others build that that kind of lifestyle they want to have as well, too, and achieve success, too. Um, so it's not really a, a sense of like, let me just check off boxes, let me just do things just for the sake of being involved. But it's also like, I'm doing this for the right reasons going forward as well, too. That, that's at least kind of where I, I helped frame it. A lot of it really came from college, like I said earlier. I think it's also sort of like an acknowledgement that we we live in a society and we want to function a certain way, you know, for ourselves and for others. And, you know, for me, you know, being a neighbor, it's like a neighbor, someone like they're part of this community with you. You have like a shared experience with them and, you know, you both benefit from having this positive community. So you want to kind of contribute to keeping it that way for yourself and for others. Um, and it's something where it's like you want to be aligned in terms of how to live harmoniously. Um, so I think it's just a matter of making sure that the fabric is all there and, you know, you're you're both living in a way that's benefiting you each mutually. Have you been able to kind of carry that over to, into L.A., Kelly? I know that's like a huge city. I'd, I'd feel kind of intimidated, honestly, but I, I know you're doing really well out there. Well, you know, it's it's funny. When I first moved to L.A., you know, I've lived in like apartment buildings where I didn't even know my neighbors, I'll admit. Um, now we live in Pasadena, which is like a little bit more it's not as hectic. It's not as chaotic as, you know, like certain parts of Los Angeles. And we've actually gotten to be pretty close with our neighbors. It feels like more of a community here, I would say, but you're right, Mike, it's a challenge. Like when you're in a city this big, you kind of have to like make special effort, you know, to, to form a community around you and, and to be a good neighbor because it is intimidating when you have like so many neighbors, you have like 10 million neighbors basically. So what do you think the best way to support underserved communities are? I mean, there's different 
principles or theories about ways to uphold groups who um, can't uphold themselves naturally. Um, but w what do you think a way to do that is? Um, you know, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to the discussion of equality versus equity. You know, things could be equal for everyone, but it doesn't necessarily mean people get the same result afterwards because of that opportunity. But in terms of equitable opportunities, if you give someone a fair chance to do things based on their skill, based on whether they may need additional attention or additional efforts or resources given their way, that actually leads to more success for more people a lot across the board, especially like what we've seen in today's day and age with, you know, there, you're right, there are a lot of underserved communities in different states and different areas, different demographics. And sometimes it's just a matter of giving more attention, more resources to those, those communities to allow them to kind of lift themselves back up along with everyone else to the level that we all want to be at, you know. Um, I think that's kind of where the, the heart of that really goes to. Yeah, and, and Mike, the work that you were talking about with the microloans, like that sounds like a great thing to be doing. And it's something that is like very direct help that's going to help an individual directly. Because um, that for me is what I like about the Big Brothers Big Sisters organization. It's, it's, it's a very personal connection. So like it's something that maybe it feels small. It's like, oh, it's just me and this one person and we go and we hang out and we have a good time but it's a huge impact on that person's life. And it's a big impact on my life too. Um, but you're, so it's like starting small, like that very like specific connection makes a big difference more so than, you know, changing your profile picture on social media or something like that. It's like the stuff that's really personal and is helping someone like an individual in their life for sure. Absolutely. And I think also part of that is, you know, you want to kind of make sure people don't feel like siloed and you don't want to feel like communities have to be responsible for their own, their own demographic as well too. It's you can be from a different background, different experience, and helping those people as well too. No matter where they're at, what what group they're part of, or anything like that too. And really, at the end of the day, you try and create commonality between our differentiated experiences here, and try to reach that common ground together. You know, we're all trying to get to the goal, just the same as everyone else. Um, so you mentioned um, something about getting to the end goal. What is that end goal? Everybody wants. Um, I think that everyone wants to, you know, in terms of just like the neighbor thing, I feel like everyone wants to just sort of live harmoniously. They want to live their lives the way that they want to, just knowing that they are surrounded by people who are trying to do the same and they're trying to do the right thing. And they're trying to also live in a place where, like you said, it's harmonious, I would say. So I feel like that's the goal for everyone. But, you know, the thing about that is it takes personal responsibility. Like people have to take it upon themselves to create that for themselves and for others. So I guess that's the, that's like the goal of it, but it's also the challenge of it, you know? Do you feel like with COVID and politics and everything kind of that's huge right now, it's make, it's shrinking our world that in a way that we now have distinct um, shared experiences. So we're all in this pandemic. So it makes us all feel like we have a responsibility to act in a certain way, or um, we all have kind of a neighborly expectation. Yeah, I really think so. And I think that might be kind of silver lining through COVID is maybe this is our chance to really become more of an inclusive neighborly population in, in country as well. Um, it maybe this is our chance to really kind of get back to where we, we wanted to be as a country before all that, because it's given us a reason to care more about others, to be there more for others, to be more neighborly. Um, almost kind of out of necessity in some ways now, you know? Um, I mean, I remember during COVID when like, when everything was shut down and everyone was in quarantine and everything like that, you know, I had a neighbor that lived above me when we were at our, our condo before that. And, 
you know, she really couldn't go to the store because she, she was immunocompromised. She has some comorbidities and, you know, but she need, you still need to go to the store and get food and things like that. So I, I kind of, you know, would reach out to her and said, well, Hey, you know, if you need me to go pick up some stuff for you, I'm always happy to help. And it wound up becoming almost like a weekly thing where I'd kind of pick up new stuff for at the store when I went myself. Um, I think that's just kind of how it, it needs to be. I'm hoping it doesn't stop after COVID, you know, I'm hoping people kind of take those lessons and continue to apply them going forward because it, it can make the world a better place. And I think at this point we, we all kind of agree, like it, it needs to become a better world too, because there's just so much going on in terms of tensions and, and drama for, you know, across so many different aspects of life right now. Totally. To me, like that's like one of the big like pieces of being a neighbor is just being thoughtful and being like empathetic in that way. You know, like even when I was growing up, I was trying to think of my neighbors growing up and, you know, we had elderly neighbors next door and my, my dad used to, you know, snowplow their, their drive and their walkway and things like that. And that was something that was certainly appreciated by the neighbors, but it would never be reciprocated, you know, cause they weren't really able to do it. wasn't, but my dad never expected anything in return. And it's one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's nice when people do that and, the more of it, the better, because it'll help the, the world be a better, more empathetic, nice place. I think sometimes people have the misperception that like helping others and like being involved, that's almost kind of a transaction where like, you need something, I give it to you, and then you give me something back in return. And it, it really doesn't have to be that way. It can just be, hey, you're doing the right thing because you've been helped by so many people along the way. And so many people have kind of laid that groundwork for you. Now it's kind of your, your almost your civic duty to go help others in return, you know? Um, Kelly, I mean, I know you mentioned like your parents were involved with church and like your dad was helping snowplow the neighbor's house and everything like that. Helping others is also a matter of discipline, a matter of work ethic, a matter of just helping build that, that sense of community and pride as well, too, you know. So um, it's, it's really interesting to hear that we both had, we both kind of saw that as kids from our parents as well, too. And, you know, the idea of not expecting anything return in return is like kind of the way to like, you know, pay it forward like that. But then it's one of those things where, as you said, Mike, if you lay the groundwork, it's like you never know when you're going to be down on your luck one day. And that person who you looked out for notices like, oh, you know what, like they're not feeling well or they're going through a rough time. Maybe I'll take the extra effort to do this nice thing for them. So a lot of times like it comes back to you anyway, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever felt this way, Kelly, but like I kind of felt like maybe Youngstown where we grew up, like it, it would have been nice if there was more community engagement. I know there are a lot of some you know, really big civic leaders that helped out a lot. But in some ways, I felt like, you know, if more just like, you know, everyday common joke kind of guys helped out, I think it could have been a lot better, you know, because um, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to mince words, but I think a lot of people realize that Youngstown is an area like it's been economically depressed for almost 40 years at this point and could use a lot of help. Uh, I wonder if maybe that's where it's, it starts. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, Kelly, but yeah. Totally. I, I think the same thing. And, you know, it's. Yeah, it's an area that's always been kind of like a rough area, economically depleted. And, you know, it is something that, you know, it, it seems like it probably would benefit from more people being involved in that way. Yeah, I, agree. I think it was like such a world changing perspective, too. And we actually got to, to Westminster on campus. You actually saw like hey, everyone just hanging out, everyone just being really nice and cool with everyone. And I was like, I actually did not experience this very much growing up in Youngstown. It was actually really refreshing to see. So you, you mentioned Westminster a couple times and part of the mission statement at Westminster is to develop um, and demonstrate moral and ethical commitments to neighbor, society, and the natural world consistent with the understanding of self. And so it's interesting that you both have mentioned that Westminster is kind of where 
this, well, your background, of course, you're watching your parents, watching your mom's dad's family members thrive in that neighborly way. But I think it, when you are 18 coming to college, seeing that is really pivotal to see that uh, the organization that you choose to be part of. So like the community at Westminster that you chose to attend has that um, mission statement backbone that includes commitment to a neighbor. So I guess maybe we can talk about what is an ethical commitment to a neighbor. How do you be a good receiver of neighborly love too? That's a good question. Um, it's funny that Mike mentioned Kerouac because I was thinking about, I was like, what are like the pieces of media, like in my mind, that are like about me? I know that quote's going to drive me nuts now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was a pretty good approximation. Of, of, <laughs> um, and I, I was thinking, uh, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird came to mind, like all these different things came to mind about like being a neighbor and, and you're asking about giving and receiving. But my mind kept coming back to um, Ned Flanders and Homer Simpson like them as neighbors, like the quintessential neighbors in my mind. And in terms of like giving and receiving, it's like Homer is someone, he's probably, I think there's a reason that like a lot of people relate to Homer because like Flanders gives, he's like the perfect neighbor. Homer's like a terrible neighbor. He receives without even giving it a thought. In fact, he steals from his neighbor often. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's just, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about like mindfulness and thoughtfulness and, empathy and it's like okay like I'm going to give this without expecting something and then you know you know I think that it's about the relationship that you have with each other and becoming friends and you know just like seeing the good in each other and seeing how you can help each other out and and looking around and seeing what resources you could share with the people you know who you care about around you so that's a that's a really profound way of thinking about it. I actually never thought of it like that Kelly um it's kind of a sense of like yeah, you can help someone like directly and give them self, give them something, get something in return maybe later. But really at the same time, you're also like building a relationship with them. You're building a background with them too, you know, and like you're both stronger now because of that too. I, I never like really kind of thought of that indirect impact as well too. Because, you know, being, being willing to accept graciously things that are, are given to you, whether, you know, they're directly or whether it's just like part of your history, like the way you grew up or like things that your, your parents got for you, things like that. Um, you know, just like the benefits you had of your community as well, too. I, I think that just showing you're really gracious to accept that is a good way to, to step forward. Because um, it also shows others comfort in being able to accept what you give them that eventually down the road, too. And I think, um, you know, in terms of then becoming a, a giver, becoming someone who's a good neighbor, who's giving more to the community, um, just recognize like where you, you do have resources. You know, you may not have the time or the money at that point to be able to give, but maybe you have a certain skill that you can lend to someone else to help them out in a certain way. And then maybe down the road, maybe you have more time. So you can give that to someone as well too. It doesn't have to be some, you know, grandiose overarching, um, you know, gift that you have to give to everyone. It can just be something small. And sometimes starting small is the best way to produce something big in the future. Um, you know, just give a little bit of money to an organization that you care about, give a little bit of your time to an organization you care about, um, and then increase that over time as, as you're able to. And that kind of, brings in more people it gets more people involved more people excited and also gives people a sense of what we're doing is worthwhile and it's you know it is worth what we're doing here as part of this community as well too i think that's kind of how holistically you can build an approach to being a good neighbor overall yeah i think that that's really yeah that's really good insight um mike and i was just thinking about how 
you know, people who maybe don't have to, you know, the skill thing I think is a really good thing that you mentioned. Um, but for people who maybe don't have time or resources, you know, I think that there's also just sort of, you know, the acknowledgement that like being a neighbor, like it exists on different scales too. So it's like, I have my next door neighbor, like here in my house, but also, you know, I'm a resident of Pasadena. We're right next door to Altadena. And it's like, so your neighbors in different ways, it's like even as an American, it's like we have neighbors to the north, we have Canadian neighbors, we have Mexican neighbors. So it's something where it's like just acknowledging that we live in like a, a bigger society, like we live in a bigger society and acknowledging that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves and knowing that, you know, in order to like, to live like that, it's sometimes it's just a matter of conducting yourself properly, like in public, you know, like being nice to people, like not causing a fuss when you go place. Like, it's just that kind of thing that to me, it's like those little things just contribute to how we live like harmoniously in society and as neighbors. So even if it's not tangibly, you know, giving money or giving time, it's like just, just conducting yourself in a positive nice way as part of society will go really far in terms of making things better for everyone so i think too you know part of it is being a good neighbor you don't necessarily always have a chance to be proactive about it it's not like you know a deadline's coming or a date's coming up or something like that a lot of just being reactionary and just seeing who needs help at one point and being flexible in that so i, th I think kind of building that into your rhythm into your routine is also another way of being a good neighbor uh just maintaining that flexibility as well too definitely yeah, just being like observant. You don't have to be like peering through the window blinds, like looking at people, but just like just being aware, like being self-aware. And like I said, just like looking farther than the tip of your nose, whatever that that phrase is. It's like just kind of being aware of what other people might be going through and how you can help, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said this a little bit earlier too, Kelly, is, um, you know, like we're in a, living in a world today that's globalizing very rapidly and more so than maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago, certainly more than 100 years ago. I think kind of understanding that like, we are bigger than ourselves, like you said, it's not just my immediate vicinity. It's also within my my local city, within my local state, within the country, but even outside of that globally, you know, there's, there's just so many different layers of being a neighbor and really opportunities as well, too. I think that's the exciting thing about living in today's world. You're not short of any kind of opportunities to help others out. And sometimes it can just be saying, you know, it's a very small, almost token gift as you might see it, but it might be a very big, impactful thing for other people. Um, I remember like, you know, when we were taking tours at Westminster before we decided to go there, like um, one of the things that was like really impactful to me too was like seeing people just like opening doors for others. Like you'd be on the other side of campus and someone would, like open a door for you and just didn't wait until you walked up and came in, came in. And just like those like little kindnesses, like no one's expecting it. No one's making a stand or anything like that. People just kind of started doing it because they saw others being good neighbors like that too. And, uh, you know, I think that was just like a really small example of how you can make big differences in people's perspectives too. I think what I'm hearing too is being present to people and I think so often we do get just caught up in our own heads like you said just looking um, past the tip of your own nose and um, I think just putting your eyes up and just looking and watching and waiting for opportunities to make people feel important or just make people feel something and i guess here's the group project part um but i want you to tease out a little bit for the next few minutes what the most important motive is for being a good neighbor so why are we especially during this time why are we 
why is it most important right now to be a good neighbor? Yeah, I think maybe kind of breaking down your question a little bit, Nicole, there is, you know, um, the, fir the first part, I think for, in terms of motive, you really have to have kind of like a, a clear, unbiased motive going into it. You have to kind of have an, an unselfish motive as well, too, at least in my opinion. Um, if you're expecting to get something out of it or you're expecting it to, you know, build your resume or build your career or something like that, that's not really the right ethical reasons for going into something and for being a good neighbor. I think it's also a very short-sighted way of, of looking at being the neighbor, the neighborhood relationship because eventually you're going to need help as well yourself too. You don't want to feel like you're being bound and obligated to helping others down the road too. You just want them to help you because it's the right thing and vice versa. Um, and then I think kind of going forward and like what are, what are some of the themes and the ways to achieve that it's just looking for those opportunities. They're, they're definitely out there, especially in the COVID environment. The world's in, a real, I think, a really short supply of empathy right now. And a, a lot of people have kind of turned inward and just kind of focused on themselves. But it really is probably the best time to be looking outward and looking out up to just kind of see everything. Um, and there are definitely opportunities. And there's really an opportunity to kind of jump and kind of like leapfrog in the next, the next step of you know, civic engagement of the way that the nation becomes something different going forward. Um, but it takes just a lot of small steps from a lot of people to get there as well, too. Um, you know, and there, there are just so many different aspects to do it in. Like, you know, Kelly, I know you're involved with, with music. I know you're involved with like, you know, animation and in the movie industry. There's so many opportunities there to do that. So it could be, you know, based on career lines. Sometimes people like they just have hobbies that they're really interested in. They want to help become either mentors of people who want to get into that field, too or to help others develop and become more successful in what they're doing as well. Um, you know, so there's, there's definitely stuff out there. Uh, and I think it's just an exciting time, honestly, but it just, it just takes a little bit of motivation, a little bit of movement in the right direction. I totally agree. And, and Mike, what you said about how it takes like a lot of people, like that's the, the challenging part of it because it's true. Like that's, that's the thing, you know, to make a big difference It usually, well, I guess there's different planes of making a big difference. There's making a difference on individual level. But on a broader level, you know, to make our communities better. And Nicole, you mentioned, you know, like the homeless population, L.A., um, for example, has gotten really it's gotten really bad um, and really sad. Like even since I've only lived here 10 years, but in the 10 years, like it's been a pretty noticeable increase in the homeless population. And I'm not going to purport that I'm helping it or that I'm really, you know, doing anything notable to to deal with that. But I do think it's just it's just a matter of getting a lot of people like on the same page with this is something that shouldn't be happening or, or it's something where it's like, I don't want that person to live like that. And I don't want to live in a community where we accept that a person lives like that. So it's really just like changing people's minds. And again, even if you don't, like I said, I'm not solving the homeless crisis, but it's just about kind of changing people's hearts and minds to be like, okay, you know what? I actually, I, I don't want to live in a community where, I have this certain standard of living and this person has one that is totally nothing near what I have. You know, it's like you want to live in a society where you're surrounded by people who, who have the same opportunities as you. And, and, you know, it's like, I, I feel very grateful to think for the things I have in my life. And I, I want other people to experience that same happiness, you know, it's, so it's just kind of getting people mentally to that place to be able to like get people on the same page to like, okay, now we have to make like a tangible change to fix it, you know? But it's hard because, Mike, as you said, a lot of people have turned inward, you know, especially during COVID. It's been like a stressful time for people. People have like a lot of issues on their plates and they've struggled financially. They've struggled health wise. Maybe they've lost people to COVID. And it's hard for people to to kind of go beyond themselves, you know, when they're going through a really tough time. So, like, I understand that, too. I think sometimes it's, 
it's hard to see the impact in, in some aspects too. Like you might help some people and then you never hear a thank you, you know, not that you need a thank you, but like you may never feel an appreciation or you feel like your time was, was well spent or anything like that. Um, but sometimes you'd be surprised like how it's kind of sown the seeds of helpfulness in the, in the future and it'll pay dividends down the road as well too. So I think kind of like also not being discouraged when you're helping others is really important to keep in mind too, you know, cause there, there is such a thing as like volunteer burnout where people are so overwhelmed with their volunteer opportunities that they, they can't even function in with their own personal life as well too. So I think being just like understanding, like this is for the greater good. This is for something better in the future for everyone. Uh, just kind of keeping that mentality is, is really important during this time as well too. So I graduated in 2012, just a year after you both. And I didn't understand the impact that Westminster and the people of Westminster had on me until years after I graduated. I think you're so right, Mike, in saying that. I mean, there, there are seeds that are sown. And I think that we're, we'll even, I think, have a hard time understanding how neighborly interaction is affecting us right now until until years into the future. So what do you think, do you both agree of a certain word or about the motive of why it's important to be a na- good neighbor right now? I don't know, Kelly. I think if I just like sum it up, and it's very simple, I'm, I'm sure there's like debate on both sides, but for me, it would kind of come down to just do the right thing. And, you know, I know that's very simplistic and there are ways to qualify that and discuss it further and unpack it. But I think that's kind of where I would maybe like lead a thesis coming out of this. Yeah. I don't know if you feel differently or, or have a, a stronger opinion one way or the other. I, I totally agree. It does come down to do because, you know, people have different philosophies about what's right and wrong. But usually there's an innate we're, we're generally kind of on the same page. Like we know what's right and we know what's wrong. Um, and even it's funny how I mentioned like Ned Flanders earlier. and and Mike, you were talking about the burnout. It's like Ned Flanders is always a good neighbor toward Homer Simpson. And of course that comes from his ethical place as a Christian, you know, because he's someone who he turns the other cheek and he helps neighbors and he helps his enemies. And he's just that kind of person. Um, But I think it's that, but even Homer has those moments where he knows, he he knows to do the right thing. You know, it's like, so I feel like that kind of cuts through the clutter for everybody, like no matter what your background is, what your like life philosophy or religion or non-religion is. It's like, it comes down to like, you know, what's the right thing to do. Like, you know how to treat your neighbor. Um, so just, it, it might be hard to act on that, but you have to make the effort to act on it. You know, it almost, to me, it becomes a, a, a personal dilemma. It's like, well, if I stop helping, is the world going to get any better? And I, I think probably no, you know? So it's like, I almost have to keep helping in some way, shape, or form, even in the smallest way possible to keep trying to see the world better, you know, because I don't want to live in a world or, you know, raise our our son in a world that's just not better off. And I think that's something that's just like, it's a very ethereal, hard to obtain goal, but it's a goal that I think everyone tries to, or at least wants to try to shoot for. And then, you know, some people are better at volunteering than others. I I get that. Um, And I'm not perfect myself. I don't want to hold myself out like that. But I think just like trying to take small steps is a really, really good start for anyone that's like just looking to be involved. Too, you know and also you know i, I remember it's like that famous mr rogers quote too is like you never you see something scary going on in the world look for the helpers i think it's just so true i i really saw it so much at westminster whenever something bad happened in the world whenever something on campus was going down or whatever you knew who you could rely on and who was a really good volunteer and really stepped up for that time too you know and i think that was like really the first time in my life was i was ever experiencing that I was in college 
Um, I wish I'd seen it earlier, but like, you know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it at that time because that was really impactful and transformative in framing the, my mentality going forward. Definitely. Um, yeah, Westminster, I mean, kind of like you said, Nicole, like sometimes you don't realize until years later, like those small things that make a difference. And I mean, for me, like from going to from from going from Westminster to L.A. and, you know, I, I love living here and there's great people here and I have a great support system. But you really, you know, you really appreciate like, oh, what a great community it was at Westminster. Uh, and like Mike said, like the people who were just good people who you knew you could rely on and who were a good support for you. It's like, oh, it's like, I don't, you know, you're always part of the, the Westminster community, but it's like, well, you know, I'm not there anymore. It's like, I live 3000 miles away and I, I now appreciate and I'm grateful for the experiences I had there and the people I met there. The so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Something Real is brought to you by the Westminster College Alumni Association. For more information about this podcast or ways to stay in touch with Westminster College, visit westminster.edu slash alumni or follow us at westminsterpa.alumni on Instagram and Facebook and westmin underscore alumni on Twitter. Tune in for more of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. Keep listening for a special memory or two submitted by alumni and submit your memory by emailing alumni at westminster.edu and check back if it's aired. Some of my favorite memories of Westminster are SGA days on Fridays and particularly in the fall. It was usually like a bright sunny fall day. You'd get your apple castle donut on the way to class and then maybe grab a ride from a senator in a golf cart, and you just knew it was going to be a wonderful Westminster weekend. Um, and to top it off, you got pizza, Joe's Pizza for lunch. <laughs>